My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be someone who did something other than customizing Slack to say stupid things, but nope, that's just me now. And this is Just Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's burnnoticed with a D, like our title. Or to our Twitter, at burnnoticedpod. So this episode, Friends Like These, aired on July 30th, 2009. It was written by Rashad Razani, and it was directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala, who has done at least a couple episodes of everything, including a bunch of episodes of Covert Affairs, The Good Wife, and Madam Secretary. And Madam Secretary is important. We've <laughs> known a couple of people who have worked on Madam Secretary. And I actually asked one of our mutual friends if they had met this person, Felix Alcala. And they had. And said he was a good oh, guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Man, that fucking guy on Reddit who doesn't think that we're real filmmakers can get fucking wrecked. IMD says about this episode that the premise is, <laughs> while Michael takes a job from Strickler despite Fee's reservations... Barry, the money launderer, cashes in his favors and asks Michael to help retrieve the ledger with his client's information, which was stolen from him. This is an awkwardly written sentence. Yeah, that was a that was a difficult that was a challenging sentence. It was There's a, a lot of clauses in that written. sentence. I did like that they used the phrase cashes in right after they described Barry as a money launderer. I thought that was clever. Yeah. They enjoyed that. But yeah, there's a lot going on there. There's nothing left for us to do but get into the weeds. So, Michael sets up some equipment for a job that he's gotten from Strickler. Uh, Strickler's told him not much, but that he has to bring a camera, so he's packing a camera. And then Fee asks him if he's really sure about working with Strickler, even though he seems kind of sketchy. Which I think is kind of rich coming from an arms dealer. Yeah, this has come up a couple of times in the last couple of episodes where, like, Fiona's like, how can we let XYZ get away with this? Like, you don't know what they're going to do. And it's like, Fiona, you're literally an arms dealer. You're all spies. You're constantly selling illegal weapons to bad guys. That's your yeah, whole like, fucking job. Yeah, like, what do you think they're for? You're not <laughs> selling them to, like, Boy Scout Troop A. I don't think I want the Boy Scouts with illegal firearms either, Chris. So then Strickler arrives to pick up Michael and Fee has a very violent facial reaction to him. It's this very, like, strong, just like, bleh. And, like, I can't quite describe the emotion, but it was a lot. It was a strong choice. But seriously, like, seriously, Fee, of course he's sketchy. All spies are sketchy. Everyone who you run with is sketchy. And Michael Weston, as far as I can tell, is the only good human being who is a spy. So Strickler arrives and takes Michael to a government warehouse where weapons are being stored that is in the process of being robbed. And he says that he's going to track the sale of these weapons and decided that the way to do this is to track the cleaner, i.e. the guy who gets rid of all the evidence at the crime scene. And that the camera that he brought 
is to take a picture of the license plate. And eventually he'll take pictures of the crime going down. He, this is totally a photography job. Peter Parker could have done this. Yeah, once again, these like big, bad, mysterious machinations are putting Michael Weston in charge of a job that seems like fully below him. Like, why? Even though like the one idea of like, you gotta follow the cleaner comes from Strickler. Yeah, also, like, if why would they follow the cleaner when they watch this shit get packed into a van? Why don't they just follow the van from there? And if they know all of this other information, why the fuck do they need Michael Weston to take pictures of this one specific thing? Why, like, why? I don't understand the setup of this at all. I don't either. It doesn't take up much of the episode. No, yeah, but once like, again, the Strickler plot is so thin because they have nothing going on with him. They have nothing. But yeah, it's like worse than all the errands that he was running for Carla. Yeah, at least hers were like sort of interesting. They still seemed beneath him. Um, and like it's, I, I have yet to see a governmental agency use Michael Weston for anything that it seems like Michael Weston is useful at doing specifically. Exactly. Like, honestly, Brennan in one episode used Michael Weston better than these fucking mysterious government agents have used Michael Weston for for seasons at a time. Because, like, the shit that Brennan was having him do a couple episodes ago were, like, specifically in Michael Weston's wheelhouse. Like, you know, getting numbers out of a guy, like, tricking somebody into doing something, like, breaking in somewhere. Like, those, those were things that were actual challenges that Michael Weston, we know, is good at kind of meeting. Yeah, but Bree, you have to realize, and Strickler knows this, that if it's something too involved, then he won't get to do another plot in the episode, and Strickler can't have that. Anyway, so Michael meets Sam, who is packing for a vacation with his new girlfriend, Miss Reynolds. He calls her Miss Reynolds a lot in this episode, and I feel like I don't remember that in previous episodes. Uh, Yeah, that was confusing. It was very confusing because they have this special vacation villa that they're going to have access to for like a weekend. He is just getting ready for this. He is about to be gone. Yeah, this feels like this happens to Sam a lot where he's like about to plan like a getaway with his lady friend and then it gets taken over. Exactly. Yeah. So, But he does he does tell Michael these track the cleaner through his license place to a place called the Wages Motel, which is an awful name for a hotel. The Wages Motel, which is across the street from a bingo parlor. And Sam suggests that the best way to surveil this guy is by using someone who would blend into a bingo parlor. Namely, Miss Madeline Weston, who is currently upset because the roof is leaking in the house that Sam blew up. (laughs) Yeah, Sam's like, she seems to have it in her head that the reason the roof is leaking is because I blew up the house. Um, and I like that. I also like that immediately Sam is like, we should absolutely have your mom do this. That's, yes, his new roommate is absolutely capable. I was disappointed that this was not a bigger part of the episode. Me too. I got really excited with her. Like, oh, finally, Madeline's like, not only a part of the, the like spy plot, but like, she's being asked to be. She's not like acting on her own. That's going to be so fun. But nope. Yeah. It's I just, we, we watch 100% her smoke and play bingo. thought. This was going to be a whole plot about Madeline getting very into bingo. Yeah, I thought it was either going to be her getting into bingo or her getting too into the spy plot and being like, the guy's leaving. I'm going to follow him. And like she gets herself into you know exactly. trouble because she gets too invested. That, Especially or, since this episode 
takes so long to introduce, like, the main plot. Considering, like, how little time this episode spends on the Strickler plot, like, 50% of that is in, like, the first, like, 15 minutes. It's, like, all Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they they really front load it. I was going to say the uh, the alternate fun thing they could have done with Madeline is do a thing where Michael has to become his mother's handler and like teach her like a couple of like basic spy things and like teach her like you have to listen to me when you're out in the whatever like you need to like follow my instructions and blah 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 and like like the the idea of like doing like a mini spy school with Madeline just is extremely appealing to me and I it's wish so I had appealing. seen that. They have or to just seen Mama Weston get like really invested. I hope that that happens eventually, because like, God, it's stop just, bringing right Nate on obvious. jobs. Let Mama Weston do it. <laughs> anyway, Madeline agrees to do this once she's determined that there's not going to be any shooting involved, in exchange for Michael fixing her roof. At least that's sort of implied. Eventually, Michael does not fix her roof, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Fee does not like the idea of involving Madeline and takes this as evidence of like Michael kind of going off the rails a bit. And then and then in the middle of all this, Barry calls and says, hey, this plot isn't really enough to sustain an episode. So I'm in trouble, too. <laughs> as soon as I saw Barry stumble on the screen, like, Michael, I need your help. I just like immediately was like, ha Chris has to do the Barry episode because <laughs> Chris hates yeah. Barry. Oh. Um, although again, this is barely a Barry episode. It's barely Barry. Yeah, it really was. Like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh man, we're going to do a whole thing. Uh, and then, nope, Barry's like barely The thing about this show is that sometimes they'll do a thing where, like, a recurring character will become the client. And you think it means, oh, this is going to be a showcase for them. And then it's not. Mm -hmm. You think that, like, there's going to be an episode that's about showcasing like a recurring character and then they don't do it because michael just does everything it's so disappointing well because he's our hero barry says come quickly and bring fee because this could get violent which i do love the reminder that fee is the muscle on this show i do too i appreciate and i appreciate that they've stuck to that it wasn't just like a a silly thing yeah no it's like legit like fee is the muscle if you need to physically threat someone you get fee. Um, yeah, you can see it in her eyes. She's not fucking around. No, she's not. So they meet Barry, and it turns out that he has this book, this ledger, where he basically keeps all the info that he ever needs on his money laundering clients and their money and where it is and their bank accounts and everyone's names. It's all in this one book, and it's been stolen. And Michael's like, that seems like a bad idea. And it's like, but that's the whole point. Is that, like, <laughs> I can't be hacked because I just have this book. And so Michael and Fee quickly surmise that it might have something to do with Barry's new girlfriend, or at least someone she's working with. Mm-hmm. Barry does not see it. Yeah, he's like, she's, Bing- she's sweet. There's nothing wrong with her. It's Everything's fine, guys. Yeah. Although he's also kind of like, she's a lot, though. She likes to yell at people. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Bingo, Madeline is being coached by Sam through an earpiece, and Sam gives her some, like, basic instructions and then like leaves but yeah, she doesn't see, again fucking missed ass opportunity exactly he just leaves and then she doesn't seem happy about anything and then she wins a bingo and there's a nice cut where it's like bingo she gets smiles and gets happy and then cut well and- no it, the funny thing is is he, like the last instruction that sam gives her is like hey stay under the radar like just 
chill out and play bingo. And then as soon as she hangs up, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll keep under the radar. They call out a final number and she goes, ah, bingo, really loudly. Yeah, exactly. And again, I thought they were going to do something with this. And they don't. They do nothing. But instead, we we cut back to Michael, Fee, and Barry, who show up on who show up outside Amy's house. And it turns out that Amy isn't out of town like she said she was. And Fee and Michael break into her backyard, which has already been broken into, they note. And she comes out and threatens them with a golf club because Amy is, and I say this with no disrespect, a real New York broad. It's like a very specific character. It's like a very mm-hmm. kind of very like, Long Islandy, Long Islandy gangster mall type character. I actually kept thinking about Emily Axford in Unsleeping City. <laughs> Sophie Bikes. Sophie Bikes. Fee punches her out and then proves that whoever hired her to screw Barry over is trying to kill her now by demonstrating that her car is just rigged to blow. She just yep. like throws a brick into her car and the car explodes. Because the way that it's described is that it's something under, it's like one of those bombs yeah. where when you sit down in like the, the driver's seat, it sets it off. And so Fiona's like, no, 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 look. Yeah, exactly. See, look, blow it up. Yeah, she tells them that she was hired by some guy in Coconut Grove. And Michael tells her that it's time to leave town. And that is a series wrap on Amy. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that like the, the first big lead that they got was this girl. And then like they go, no, it goes nowhere. This episode just like keeps throwing stuff out and then abandoning it. Yeah, it's it it's a very kind of scattered episode, but not it's as focused very as scattered. scatter point the episode. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like like they just keep throwing out new ideas. Like, does this work? Does this work? It's a very spaghetti at the at the wall sort of episode. Exactly. It, you it keeps faking you out, being like, "This is what it's gonna be." No, this is what it's gonna be. It's this. No, it's not. It's like this thing. It can't decide. So Sam and Michael break into a house at the location given to them by Amy, but cannot find the ledger. Outside, Fee is keeping watch and tells her that the thief guy has a ride and has a woman with them and they need to leave now. But Michael realizes that if they leave now with making this place a mess and everything, this guy is going to know that like they are looking for the ledger. He's going to move it. They are never going to find it. And he owes this to Barry. So instead... Him and Sam just stay in the living room when the guy walks in and Michael puts on a crime voice, which I swear in this scene, at least, just sounds like Christian Bale's Batman. I had the same thought, especially because he's like waiting in the dark, like, I've been waiting for you. Is this yeah, the second episode in uh, the past couple of weeks that we have compared someone's voice to Batman? I feel like I did the Batman voice to you a couple of weeks ago. It's possible. But yeah, he walks in and Michael's like, I'm a crime guy. Rachel, uh, <laughs> where did the other drugs go? Swear to me. <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> but yeah, he puts on, and it's so silly because, like, it happens so fast. So we get to watch Michael Weston make this choice, which mm-hmm. is not a thing that we do very often. Normally, Michael's like, I'm going to set up an identity. Or, like, and a lot of times when he kind of improvises, he just kind of is himself. But, like, we watch Michael Wesson decide, I got to talk like Batman. (laughs) Yeah, and also decide, like, we don't have time to clean up our crime scene. We have to kidnap these people. Exactly. So he pulls out a gun and demands the ledger. 
the guy attacks Michael, but not before hitting the woman that he's with, so we know he's like, bad, bad. And Michael throws him through a table, knocking him out. So now it's just, it's time to kidnap these people. They were planning to have a kidnapping today, but you know, sometimes things just happen. Sam and Michael meet with Barry at a bar, presumably Carlitos, and let him know what's going on. Barry is worried because he has clients coming in town and like trying to get in touch with them. And Michael's like, you can't talk to them. And Barry's like, but if I don't talk to them, they're going to know something's up. And he's like, well, that's better than you dying. <laughs> so Barry goes, fine. And then Barry leaves and Sam is like, well, you got this, right? Because me and Miss Reynolds are about to go on a fuck vacation. <laughs> and then Michael's like, about that, I'm definitely going to need that villa to interrogate our kidnap victims in. We always need a place <laughs> to go and you have access to like a villa. I'm so sorry. What happened to the place that they interrogated Victor at the end of last season? That big, like, warehouse in the middle of nowhere. That had multiple rooms. It had, like, that little room with all the chains in it. I mean, generally a lot of those places, Sam is, like, loaning from a buddy. I don't think they just always have access to them. Also, like, that place did not have such a posh, spacious living room. Well, but they don't need the posh, spacious living room. What they need is room to separate two separate hostages. Yeah, but like, don't you want the posh, spacious living room? Well, g- I mean, sure. I was thinking, I don't think we actually talked about it last uh, episode, but something that I was thinking as I was watching them at Fee's apartment is like, Fee's apartment is much nicer than Michael's. It has a lot more natural light. There's like more interesting textures and like production design. I wish we were shooting here more often. The fucking loft is so goddamn boring. The loft, yeah, but, like, the loft is so big. It's actually, it's probably a really great place to shoot, though, just in terms oh, of Oh, I'm sure it is, but, it, like, it's so visually uninteresting. so much because it's so empty. But remember the and episode where, big. like, Sam and Michael are sitting outside on, like, the balcony, and it was, like, a shot that was just the perfect shot from that area, and we were like, where the fuck is this? This is so pretty. You guys should be shooting out here more often. That's just yeah, how I, I felt about, like, so these whole apartments. So I'm like, give them better places to shoot. This is so boring and uniform. And it's very yeah. Michael Weston. It's very on brand, but I wish it was prettier. I did too. But now we're going to have this villa. So, yeah, Michael says, I'm going to need this villa to interrogate our kidnapped victims in. And Sam is not happy that his love capade is being ruined. He says the word love capade. And then, like, Jeffrey Donovan has this moment where he just kind of mouths the word love capade. Like, love capade? <laughs> I love that, like, Michael, anytime Michael talks to Sam, he's the most, like, prudish virgin in the world. Like, Sam's all, like, just luscious sexuality. And Michael Weston is like, ew, gross. Like, he's yes. such a fucking prude. I love that about him. But also, I think he's just, like... That's that's not a word. <laughs> this is too much, Sam. This can't be real. That's like, l- like calm down, Sam. Love Capay. <laughs> it, but it does kind of remind me a bit of one of my favorite things from like season one, where like Michael's talking to that weird like country pawn shop guy and the guy says titty bar and then Michael just laughs and goes titty bar. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Good times. (laughs) This is like a weird Jeffrey Donovan thing that I love. Anyway, so yeah, they have this whole scene. Presumably, they also have two human beings in a trunk. Yeah, I think we watched them close. Yeah, I think we we watched them close the trunk right before they have this conversation. No, we watched them close the trunk after. It's like the next Uh, scene. Um, So I don't know if they were held somewhere else, but 
I don't think so. I think the implication is just that they've had them in the trunk this entire time. Because if they had somewhere to stash them, otherwise they would have done so. It's not like they're just keeping them in the loft. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just like. I think they're just in the trunk. In the, in the trunk. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Don't be bad guys and you won't get shoved in a trunk for hours. Exactly. Um, so Michael's about to leave to go to the vacation interrogation. Or the interrogation vacation. That's better. Um, when he gets a call from Madeline. And she's seen the cleaner, but now someone needs to tail him. But Michael can't do it, so he gets Fee to do it. Fee's like, oh, okay. Meanwhile, we get to the villa, and Sam is just annoyed that he has to wear pants here. Because he was banking on a pantsless vacation. <laughs> um, yeah like you in the last episode not wearing exactly pants. And, and presumably this episode as well and this episode too girl you nasty yeah so sam has searched the guy and the woman he doesn't find much on the guy if i remember but on the woman he finds a keychain with a picture of a child on it so she's probably a good person <laughs> she's got a picture of a kid can i say as soon as they just dis- they established that she is not a threat i was like oh cool so she's the mastermind oh 100 like, percent I like went back and forth on it. I was like, are they actually, are they going to do this? Or are they just going to keep her nice? Are they going to do? And like, but I figured there's no way that this isn't the reveal because that's the thing that you do. Yeah. The thing is like, it was so obvious, but I'm glad they did it. Cause it is the more interesting choice than just like, it is the more interesting choice. Well, okay. It's the more interesting choice with the type of show that burn notice is. But if burn notice was a bolder show, and she, they would have gone with her being actually innocent and them having to, like, come to terms with the fact that they've definitely kidnapped an abused woman and are yeah. just having to hold her hostage as a result of trying to do something else good. Sort of like the, That's the collateral true. damage. Like, like, I think them having to deal with their own collateral damage would have been really interesting and kind of dark. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very telling of the kind of show that Burn Notice is. That, like, it starts to be a, it starts the plot being like, maybe it's bad that we kidnapped this woman. And it's like, no, actually, she's evil. So, but she's got a kid, so she's probably a good person. Only good people have children. My, Michael Weston can attest. So Sam decides to interrogate the woman because he has a way with the ladies. And Michael can take the guy. So first, um, we go with Sam, good with the ladies' axe, interrogating the woman a property manager named Natalie, and he just makes her cry. He full-on makes her cry. I mean, this is a ploy for her, eventually, we realize, but, like... She's better at crying than Lucy Lawless was. (laughs) Yeah, much better at crying than Lucy Lawless. Um, But, like, also, um, Sam, in this scene, not actually that good at it. Like, his approach is very weird. And I think this is what's interesting about, like... This whole thing is that, like, he makes a point multiple times in this episode. Like, there's a weird almost running joke of, like, Sam is like, I'm good with the ladies. But then it turns out he's not. It's not working at all. But the thing is that's weird about that for me is that that's always the easier choice. Like, the easier choice with Sam Axe as a character, it always could have been he thinks he's a ladies band, but he's actually kind of gauche. But weirdly, the thing about Sam Axe is that he always seems genuinely good with ladies. He's good with Miss Reynolds. He has, like, all these girlfriends who buy him shit. I kind of wanted to see that, what he does. That's the thing that we wanted to know for so long. What is he doing? And I feel yeah. like they kind of whiff it here. 
It is interesting. I mean, I don't think that they go with that for very long. Like, I don't feel like the rest of the episode really explores Sam being bad with women. Um, it, I also think Sam is it's just, just a weird, weird in this episode right. in general. A lot of I stuff mean, with Sam this week doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I was just I was thinking about last week's episode and the fact that Fiona is good in this episode and I enjoy her a lot. That um, that made me forget that Sam isn't amazingly consistent here. I don't know. Yeah. Let's keep talking about it and maybe. Anyway, so it. this woman Natalie doesn't act like she knows anything and just calls the guy that she's with like a monster. I also want to point out that this is this actress is Callie Thorne, who guested on pretty much every USA show ever. Um, I know her from The Wire because she was McNulty's wife on The Wire. Um, but she was like on pretty much every USA show to the point where she graduated and got her own USA show called Necessary Roughness. Do you remember, remember this television na- show? I remember the name of it. I don't remember anything about it. I recognize I think her she was like from a sports agent, break, actually. <laughs> and and also like she she's yeah she's been in like every USA television show ever. Like she's been television. every USA show, and but like it was on Necessary Roughness that she was on. That was her show. Which is the same name, kind of name, that every kind of late period characters welcome era USA show had before they rebranded. Like, I kind of feel like, with the exception of Psych, there's an inverse correlation between how punny the title is and how good the television show is. On USA. Like, and it's kind of interesting, like, looking at Burn Notice... How, like, that's not, like, a pun. There's nothing, like, there's nothing clever about Burn Notice. and <laughs> But, like, in a way, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, no, it's true. But, like, I think there's something very honest to it. And I think what's interesting is that they had Psych and Burn Notice. And they keep trying to recapture that with their all of their other shows. And, Cut like, HBO they kind of Game get of sucked into this, like, Royal Pains thing of, like particularly breezy like psych and burn notice are breezy but then like they kind of decide that breezy is like their brand well not just that but what what else was their brand is like a classic show construction like a classic procedural but with one extremely special character like white collar is a genius heist master con man who helps the fbi so it's a classic crime show but you know the very special character is like the the con man who helps the detectives Um, exactly and like white collar that's like i mean that's not as much of a pun but it's like kind of but it's cute sure like, Suits is cute. Necessary Roughness is oh, cute. Oh, yeah. yeah. Suits is the other example. Also, I will admit, a show that I enjoy a lot. But, yeah, it's a very special it, boy. Yeah. He never went to law school, but is an actual is, is pretending to be an actual lawyer. <gasps> and it's actually interesting. I kind of, again, last week and this week really kind of went down this weird rabbit hole of behind-the-scenes USA stuff. And, like... I found this fucking Variety article about the, the like, USA rebrand. Because, again, this was everything that they did up to fucking Mr. Robot. Up until they consciously decided that they weren't doing this anymore. Because they kind of ran this thing into the ground. Mm-hmm. 
and that they weren't characters welcome anymore. But like, I think there's this really interesting quote from like the new head of like production. Hold on. Like, you, you, you tracked it and development you did the research. Um, talking about the rebrand following Mr. Robot. Where here's the quote: Like USA's qualitative research found that the national mood among the demographic that the network most covets, the span of twenty-something millennials through forty-something Gen Xers, is darker and grittier these days than it was in two thousand four, two thousand five. The immediate post nine eleven years left USA's core demo quote weirdly optimistic. Shapiro notes. Shapiro, the one, which I think is such an odd way to phrase that. Like, it's like, don't they realize that the world's falling apart? These fucking. Why was everyone so idiots? optimistic? <laughs> like, why did people back then want that? She seems so almost confused by it, which I think is interesting. The way that, like, again, a lot of these shows were bad, and they needed to rebrand. They needed to do this, but there's something kind of sad about this, like, thing of like. Oh, the problem was optimism. Going on, they say, like, today, in comparing cultural research done a decade ago with contemporary data, the USA team was surprised to find how deeply the trauma of the economic meltdown had lingered in the culture. There was also a deep-seated distrust of governmental institutions and big business, themes reflected in USA's buzzy hit, Mr. Robot. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because previous to Mr. Robot, all of their shows were about, like, trust the police, trust the government. The CIA is good, actually. And then, yeah, they're, then they did some research and were like, man, people don't like that. I think the government might have turned heel and we didn't notice. Exactly. <laughs> um, I do say, we joke. I think Burn Notice as a show is a very complex relationship with authority. I think because, so, like, too. And I think that it's hard for us to really have, like, an opinion right now because we haven't seen all of it. And I have a feeling, like, we're getting to the end of when the show can realistically say, yeah, Michael Weston's whole thing is that he wants to get back in the CIA. Like, I feel like the point of this season, the way that they're pretty hammering at home, is, like, they're setting us up to finally break free of, like, that. He will still be a burned spy, but I think at a certain point, the show has to have Michael Weston acknowledge that maybe Fiona was right after all. And I think that we're going to start to see a little bit more interesting explorations of Michael's relationship with the government and his previous life once we end this season. So it'll be interesting looking back on the, the show, like, you know, once we actually finish it to see where it lands in terms of like, is government good or bad? Do you know what USA's new slogan is? Uh, it, not characters welcome. Yeah, because that's the thing is that they got rid of characters welcome with Mr. Okay, Robot. What is it now? Mr. Robot said goodbye to characters. Mr. Robot said, characters, you are no longer welcome. Um, the new slogan and the sort of idea of this whole era is we the bold. I think I knew that and I just rejected it. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, I think my brain rejected it. Characters Welcome is at least, like, cheery. What happened to the optimism? Are you trying to bring optimism out That's what they're the saying. They're saying us? that people don't want optimism. Um, they want Mr. I haven't seen. I need to watch Mr. Robot, actually. I know a lot of people who really like it. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I think there's something really fascinating about the rebrand of, USA and kind of what it says about what people watch on TV and how like USA was like, Oh, I guess people don't want this anymore because of the, of the great recession. 
<laughs> of our like, collective their, opinion their research of was like authority changing. Yeah, the research was like 9-11 made us optimistic, but the recession did not. Uh, anyway, sorry, this is a little detour I wanted to go on because I felt like it was relevant <laughs> to our show and like talking about Burton Notice and what works about it. That I think it's also interesting that like the network kind of rejected this thing eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it had gone stale. Like, as evidenced by shows like Necessary Roughness, starring Callie Thorne, who plays Natalie in this episode of television. I get why they gave her a television show. Yeah, no, she, she's actually, she actually, she comes back. She's, I, because I was looking up, I was like, I know where, I know this actress from somewhere. Where is she from? And um, she, I, I was looking at her IMDb and she has two Burn, epi- Burn Notice episode credits. So she comes back. Interesting. They finally did the thing that we wanted them to do with Lucy Lawless, although not as Yes, much. exactly. We wanted we wanted Lucy Lawless to be like a main anti. We wanted Lucy Lawless to be Spike. So Michael interrogates the guy, and he's posing as someone who works for one of Barry's clients. Um, he tells the guy that he killed Barry already. Barry's dead, and that Natalie, the woman that he's with, is gonna crack anyway. But if he spills the beans now, he could go free. But the guy does not buy this, and he says that if if he doesn't make it on time for a sale because they're selling the ledger. He has a friend who will post all the info in the ledger online. And Michael's like, oh, shit. And so Sam and Michael meet. And again, this incredibly spacious living room in this villa. I would love to be in this villa. This seems very nice. Like, the bedrooms seem okay, but the living room is... Yeah, the living room is great, but it sort of just seems like for a vacation, like, this is a lot of space. Like, how many different settings do you need to have for your fuckcation, Sam? Jesus. Well, like, you want variety. Yes. I don't know. I just really... I, I feel like I the variety nice of being in a place room. that you don't live. I don't know. I, I have a thing about places that are too big. I'm like, what are you doing with that space, bud? Like, I live in New York. I get having too little space. But I also think that there is a, there's something to be said about having too much space. What are you doing with I it? Mean, you this don't is even true. live here. You don't need a storage. But that's the thing. is that I think I couldn't live in a place that had that much space. But, like, yeah, I think I could vacation. Yeah, you would know to do with yourself. You'd like no, yeah. curl up in a ball in the corner. Like, this is how I Exactly. Keep. I like living in a hole in the ground. That's what I want. <laughs> but the idea of like spending time in a place that big, it's like going to a cathedral. Yeah, like really. really. It was it was crazy. When we finally saw the interior of this fuck palace, I was like, damn, Sam, you definitely dropped some serious dough or had your 38 going on 22 year old. Well, apparently it was like rental. they got access to it from a friend because Sam knows a guy. Because Sam knows everybody. But yeah, so Sam and Michael meet in this room to debrief about how neither of them were successful. Um, Sam is pretty sure Natalie knows more than she's telling, but she needs help to crack. Um, he then once again asserts that his ability with the ladies and then heads back into round two. And then like comes out 20 seconds later. He like goes in, comes out really fast yeah, i don't even know what he did it's almost like a yeah it was very, it was a very comedy style like nope but also like not comedy enough it was like weirdly not drawing attention to it well like, also it, because of the fact that if he was bad with women at this point in the plot we think that this is just like a scared real estate agent who has no idea what's going on and so sam being bad with her is like it's not that he didn't get the information it's that he's terrified this poor woman exactly but like I feel like if they wanted to play this, and there is a conversation with Michael, Michael and Fee in between this, 
but it's like a 20 second conversation i feel like if they really wanted to play this joke as a joke they should have like gone i can do this and then come out and we just get a little bit of her crying like 20 seconds later just some sort of like indication <laughs> of how bad he failed or just like yeah, exactly. all right let's do this never mind never mind <laughs> this is not working Anyway, while this is happening, Fee arrives and tells Michael that she's found the location where Strickler's gun sale is going down. Like, there's two different sales that are going down in this episode, and it didn't need to be that way. No, it didn't. Um, and I'm still mad that that Strickler's job doesn't make any sense. Because he absolutely no could have gotten the same information differently with a less volatile special agent. No, exactly. And it... And Fee again questions the morality of working for this guy. It's like, what's he going to do with this? Fee, you could have just stole these guns. That's the thing that you do. But yeah, 26 later, Sam, I understand woman, I understand women, acts, walks back out, totally given up. And they decide that a softer approach is required and look to Fee, who cannot believe that she is the softer approach. Yeah, this is a joke so, that they've made a couple of times. I think last week, because I think last week they meant they made Sam and Michael made the joke where they were like, yeah, we're going to yeah. send Fee in first to talk to the mom. And they're like, wait, you think Fee is going to be like the the easy in? Like, you think she's going to be the soft one? Yeah. And it's sort of like, yeah, we so get it, guys. She's the muscle. Yeah. So they send in Fee and she, you know, treats Natalie like a person. And Natalie opens up and explains that uh, she sometimes does off-the-book stuff. And then three days ago, this guy showed up and threatened to kill her son if he didn't, if she didn't be his personal real estate agent. She also implies, and again, this didn't actually happen, but she does imply that he raped her too, just for good measure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's a fun energy to add to this episode. Uh, yeah, so Fee asked her if he looked at any other buildings a lot. And she gives Fee a location. There's a lot of, like, Natalie and other people sending people to other places. Yeah, a lot of goose chases in this episode. A lot of goose chases. So Michael and Fee go to this location, and they find a safe that's been rigged to ignite if you break into it. But they break into it anyway because they're spies. Um, Yeah, well, they, they literally said, like, we have to go to the store. And then, like, not even a transition clip. They just, like, immediately come back with, like, a bunch of really specialized equipment. That they yeah. got way fast. They got it almost as fast as they got that priest outfit. Yeah, or um, Sam got those uh, German beers or Austrian beers a couple episodes ago. Feels like oh their shopping tips are Belgian. like so efficient. I would love to be roommates with one of these people because they seem to have like be very efficient at shopping. They do seem to be. So they break in, still no ledger, but they get the guy's name on a passport. Milo Van Drogas, Natalie's name on a passport, and the name of an associate, Bennett Tash, which I hate as a name. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that you're supposed to like it as a name. Like, I, it really bugs me that they spend so much time in this episode saying Tash. I don't care for it. Then we get a truly bizarre scene in which Sam interrogates Milovan. And tells him that they know his name and they know Bennett Tash's dumb name. And Sam doesn't get anything out of Milovan, but like a soft confirmation that Tash maybe probably is the guy that's going to post a ledger on the internet. Instead, Milovan just taunts Sam like a bargain basement Hannibal Lecter and like interrogates him. He's like, What do you got? Your ex cop? 
no, you're CIA. And he just, like, really, like, childish, like, fucking Back to the Future calling him chicken type nonsense. Yeah, this was the scene. This was my one of my least favorite scenes in the episode because it felt it felt so off brand for Sam. Now that we're actually talking about this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. This was not a good Sam episode because like he's like, oh, what are you like a an a a Coast Guard? Like you're some kind of washed up Coast Guard guy? And he goes, try Navy Seal, idiot. Uh, and then the guy like takes his gun, but it turns out the gun that he takes is like not loaded. And Sam has a second gun that is loaded, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not as much." Of Which, a fool like, what the fuck? What yeah, was... why did you have the gun on you if it's not loaded? Yeah, like, was this like a plan? But it's like... not because Sam is clearly actually upset. Yeah, he, he seems like really upset. Like, the guy shoves a cigarette in his eye. Yeah, it that that it was definitely they get nothing out Sam... of it. But yeah, no, they get nothing out of it, and Sam just looks like a fool. And it's like we've seen Sam in so many interrogations. Like Sam yeah. is better than this. What the fuck? Yeah, except interrogation is supposed to be his thing. He loves it. And we and we don't even learn anything out of this scene. We don't learn anything no. about the plot. We don't learn anything about Sam. We don't learn anything about like Natalie. We, learned we don't Sam learn anything. Is always carrying there. a loaded gun and an unloaded gun. <laughs> He you keeps know, an unloaded gun specifically so people can steal it. Yeah, I guess. Like, I think, again, I think the idea maybe in the script is that it kind of is a soft confirmation that Tash is going to put the ledger on the internet. But, like, but that's I feel like, like they already nothing. knew that. They basically I... knew that. We get nothing out of this. And we definitely didn't need Sam to fuck up for that. No, we don't. Because it also feels like it was written like Sam set him up. But, like... Yeah. Setting him up doesn't get them anywhere. Nothing happens exactly. as a result of him not being able to sh- like shoot the gun. Yeah, he says that, like he's smart enough not to give someone a loaded gun, but it's like well, he's smart enough not to give not them to any guns. Super... Yeah, exactly. Like, why were you that close? <laughs> what to is him, this? Idiot? Again, Sam is. I just feel like very off this week. Yeah, that's like, fair. No, you know what? I, you've sold me. I think like there's a line to Sam where because where he could be an a shitty character he has his like foibles and things but like he's actually for the most part like a decent dude and is actually good at things yeah and he's just chill and down to earth and you know yeah and like this whole episode is just him failing at things but then not about him failing at things yeah, not in any interesting way. Yes. So Michael and Sam update Barry and ask him to look into Tosh. Um, even Tosh would be better. Even though I hate Daniel Tosh, and that makes me think of Daniel Tosh. I think even this guy makes me think of Daniel Tosh, and I hate thinking about Daniel Tosh. Yeah, and Michael and Fee have to leave to update Strickler on the other shit. Uh, but Michael asks if Sam's okay alone with Milovan. And he's like, yeah, whatever. So Michael and Fee meet with Strickler, and Fee just gets, like, indignant and asks a lot of questions that Strickler is obviously not going to answer, and then just kind of walks off in a huff in a way that seems... This is my thing about Fee in this episode, too. Like, I feel like, again, they have... She has this thing about Strickler that feels weird and not right either. It feels like she's mad at him for not being a good guy, but, like, again, this is all spy shit. Like, normally she's not this person. Like, Michael's normally the one that's like, well, what's this for? Like, like she definitely has a morality. 
I, I like, feel like Fee's thing is that she's trying to point out to Michael, like, this, you don't know enough information. I don't trust this guy. And I maybe, I, I also think she's probably low-key trying to, like, wed, put a wedge between them and, like, get Michael to, or, like, get either Strickler to just fire Michael. Like, this is too much trouble. Like, you know, I don't I don't think I can trust you anymore. Or get Michael to be like, actually, this this seems fishy. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, I think maybe she's if I got, just trying if, to make a point. If we got a little bit more interiority from her, because the thing about Fee is that they always just kind of write her as like very almost elemental, where like she just says things and does things, and I don't know, like it it just feels weird. I I bought this scene just because like it's a continuation of Fee being like this guy is clearly does not have your best interests at heart. I don't yeah. trust him. I like, even if I don't, I, I think it's, I also think that she probably cares less about like how Strickler is like getting this information, like what's going to happen to it or whatever. I think she cares. She thinks that Michael will care more. Yeah. That was I mean, kind this of my is reading of it. Um, I don't think it's that well executed. Um, I mean, no, but no. <laughs> listen, I'm like, I think it's, all, I feel like this is an episode in which, like, both Fee and Sam, like, have kind of weird reactions to things in a way that's not about that. Like, and with Fee, they're building up to something. So with Sam, they're not. Like, I can buy it more. It works more with Fee because they're building up to something. And, like, more things happen to her. Like, but I don't know. There's something about a lot of it that feels off to me. Like, this show isn't quite good enough at the thing that it needs to be doing in order to make this work. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty common problem for Burn Notice. Exactly. So, like, Fee walks off, and Strickler wonders if she's going to be able to do this op, and Michael's like, I'll talk to her. So Fee goes back and talks to Natalie and asks if she knows anything about Tash. Tash. Uh, Natalie doesn't know anything about Tash and doesn't want to talk because as soft as Fee is, Natalie still doesn't believe that she's going to get to see her son again, her son that she definitely has, her real son. Mm-hmm, the, um, one on the, the one on the keychain. Yes. I will say, I kept going back and forth on, like, whether or not she was a bad guy. And it's like, her being a bad guy is the obvious thing. But then sometimes they don't even do the obvious thing. Not because they're better at it than that, but because they're worse than that. <laughs> and part of me was like, oh, well, they've got this actress that they use a lot. they got to be using her for something. I thought, well, maybe it's just because she's got to cry a lot. And, you know. But then so Barry calls Fee... And says that Barry says that he thinks that Tash is somewhere in Overton. And Fee asks Natalie if she knows a place in Overton, and she does. And so Fee gives her a phone so she can call her son. And that was this was the moment where I was like, oh no, she's obviously a bad guy. You feel like she manipulated Fee into giving like a phone so she can call and do some shit. Mm-hmm. Presumably warn Tash. Although it's yeah, not I, clear. I, I, no, it's really not clear who she's actually calling. Maybe she's calling to set up the thing that happens at the very end of the episode. I don't super buy this about Fee. I don't buy that Fee would, like, let her alone. I definitely don't buy that Fee would walk to get a yogurt later on in the episode and leave her yeah. phone on the table in front of this woman. Like, that exactly. seems sloppy even for Fee, even for our chaos That's the princess. thing. Like, yeah, and the point is that, like, she's clearly... Like, they're supposed to think that she's just this like sad woman and like they've and like you said earlier they've kidnapped a woman who's like been like traumatized they've kidnapped a rape victim and so like and they haven't it turns out but like they believe that they have and so 
I understand like the thing that they're going for, but again, all of this needs to be played just a little bit differently than the way it's being played. I feel like every single thing is pitched slightly off in a way I that think kind that, of yeah. They, I think they had to bend to make this episode work in a way that they oughtn't have. Yes. Anyway, so Michael and Fee arrive at the place where Tash is and pretend to be working for the boss. And Tash seems like he's going to buy it. But then, Tash. like, yeah, then he goes behind a wall and then just starts shooting at them through the wall because he's very cowardly. He's a very cowardly man. They disarm him and try to get the ledger. And the guy freaks out and says, I don't have the ledger. He then says, like, that the boss would never trust anyone with the ledger, but her, herself. And suddenly we're like, her? A lady boss? <laughs> and it turns out Natalie is the real bad guy. And Fee is alone with her. And they can't get a hold of her. And they can't get a hold of her. And I this leads to, I think, in my opinion, one of the most effective uses of the, the weird split screen shit that they do on this show. Right, because it's um, like, you know, we're playing with chronology. Like, you know, are they going to yeah. get there in time? Blah, are blah. they going to get there in time? They do, like, a good job of, like, keeping Michael on the screen, calling people. And because and, they're like, oh, I said Michael. Yeah, Michael and Sam came. I said Michael and Fee earlier. I wrote that down wrong in my notes. Obviously, Fee's alone with the Natalie. But Michael and Sam attacked the fucking Tash guy. So Michael and Sam are, like, hurrying back. They're in their car. Trying to get a hold of Fee. Fee is not picking up because she left her phone and then, like, Natalie turns it off. Yeah, she left her phone in front of the hostage. That's such bad. Like, she could have called the police. She could have called, like, anybody. And then, like, Sloppy. Natalie's like, hey, I have to go to the bathroom, which is what you say when you're a kidnapped victim and you're trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Can you take off my handcuffs? And they do this thing where they draw it out because she can't find the handcuff keys and she's got to unhook the handcuffs or whatever. Like, they cut to commercial just like, is what's going to happen? And then we get a very unfortunate scene. Yep, I was waiting to talk about this scene because this is the moment where the episode changes a lot. (sighs) So, Sam and Michael burst in, coming in real hot to try to save Fee from Natalie because they think, For all they know, Fee is dead. They come in real hot. But it turns out everything's fine. Natalie's fine. Fee is fine. No one knows anything yet. And they decide immediately, well, they can't play their hand. And they can't let Natalie know that they know. But they're coming in real hot. And they also need to get Natalie handcuffed really quick in a way that makes it doesn't tip her off that they know who she is. So what they do to accomplish this is run in. Michael runs in and gets becomes a real angry cl- crime guy and slaps Fiona really hard in the face. Something that they, we did see earlier in the episode, not from Michael to Fiona. but Yeah, from, exactly. Uh, earlier at the beginning, yeah, Natalie got slapped in the face. There are two slaps in the face in this episode, and they're, they are both subterfuge. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a point they're trying to make, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, that that's uh, why I wanted to bring it up, because I do think that that's what they think that they're doing. But what we're actually doing is watching intimate partner violence between our two exactly. lead love interests. And I was like, I've been grappling with this ever since I watched this scene, because... This is something that the boys do with each other a lot. The Sam and Michael are constantly slapping each other around at random to, like, sell a cover. But 
And I was trying to like find a place in my brain where I could be okay with this contextually because like they're all spies and sometimes you have to improvise and sometimes frequently on this show the improvisation is slapping the shit out of each other but I don't think it's okay here I don't think that I I can find a place in my brain that's like this is an acceptable way to de-escalate this situation and get Fiona on side here's the thing about this episode is that and like it's trying to do a thing like We have seen Fiona get hit by men on this show before. And it doesn't feel like this. And I and like partially obviously is because it's Michael and they're like sort of dating and like there's a lot of baggage there, obviously. But also because this episode has like seeded so much like again, it begins with like an like awful abusive guy. They then go out of the way to imply that like that dude is also a rapist and so much of it and like all of our sympathy that we're supposed to be getting from Natalie is a, derived from her being a victim of trauma and abuse. All of it. And like, mm-hmm. so some of it at the, the hands of our heroes. Exactly. And I think, and the episode like kind of wants to be about that. But it's so bad and so bad at it. Because the thing is that, like, the other thing about this is that Fee immediately reacts like a horrible thing just happened. Because it did. And it did. 100% it did. But, like, the thing is that, like, this is not, for all this show deals with abuse, we've talked a lot about how, like, it never, ever treats abuse in an emotionally real and honest way. Like, everything about abuse on this show is so broad. And that, like, it's like fucking drama strings while a young child says, I gotta kill my stepdad. It's that (laughs) level. Right. And then suddenly we have this moment of physical violence that feels very real and the actress plays it very real and like we go into the next scene and like everyone is playing the next scene where michael like apologizes to fee and fee is not okay with it in a way that like signals to you the viewer like forces you to pay attention to it and consider it not is fictional violence, not is right. like the sort of wacky, almost cartoon violence that Bernadette normally engages in and instead forces you to reckon with it as real violence. Mm-hmm. And, and then the after not... that scene, they fucking drop it. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Do that. Yeah, I Cause... think they do because she's fine with them by the end. Like everything seems to be. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm not sure if what's if it's what they're trying to do and how much this is part of it. But like the episode ends with Fee leaving. Well, she's leaving cuz she but but the way that the the episode plays it is her saying like, "You know what? If you're going to work with Strickler, you're going to do it without me." Yeah, but there's also this kind of idea that Fee doesn't like is afraid of the person that he will be if he does this. Like, there's kind of, they're kind of playing this idea that, like, you're okay. 
I can't be with you if you're going to be like that. Like if you're going to be working with this bastard man and also kind of like beware of the person that you were going to be if you work with him. And like the fact that he did that hangs over it. The problem is that he did that in a completely unrelated thing that has nothing to yeah. do with Strickler. And and I think that's why I would I wouldn't have connected them. And I even now don't think that I would because they don't reference it and also because like it occurred during a circumstance where in Fiona's preferred future they would continue to be working like you know off the grid on like a case by case basis not for the CIA at large. The fact that like he hurt her and became a bastard man in the part of their lives that she wanted them to continue makes it even more confusing that that would be I agree. the thing I that think, she's actually mad about. I don't I know if I, th- I don't know if I think I it's think purposeful. it's like, I think and part of this is just me watching the episode. Like the thing is that like this episode ends and she like leaves. And I feel like even though they don't connect any dots, that's, I feel like that moment is hanging over the rest of the episode. In a way that, like, you can't get rid of. I think my thing is I don't think that it is. And I think that that's my problem with it is that I don't think that they're I think that they treat it in a microcosm as a big deal and then they just drop it. That's the way that it read to me. I felt like it's sort of weird because I think they drop it, but also they they don't like my problem is that they drop it, but they can't drop it. And then but like. The rest of the episode involves Fee going through, like, distinct emotional things. And they make such a, like, they draw so much attention to how much that hurt her. So that when you watch her act out other, like, unpleasant, like, other, like, bad emotions and, like, sorrow and things. It, I don't know. Like, it was a very unpleasant thing to watch and I hated watching it. Um, Yeah, no, it was bad. It Like, that was the moment where it was like, all right, I've stopped having fun. Because, like, and, I was yeah. broadly speaking and, like, having fun up to this point. I think I kept trying to make it, like, not... Like, because that's the thing, is that, like, if they wanted to go back to normal, they still have a whole scene about it. They have a whole scene, like, where Michael um, apologizes profusely and says that he had to do it and explains that Natalie is the fucking bad guy and, like, Fee is not okay. Well, yeah, because it was completely out of nowhere and did not need to happen that way. They could have done anything. He could have just yelled at her and then kind of, like, gotten in between her and Natalie and kind of mouthed. It was so avoidable. But, like, that's why I'm, like, I'm just looking for some reason why they thought they had to do that. Yeah, I I know. I hear you. I don't think that. I I don't know why they did that. Maybe your explanation is what they were thinking, but. If that was, and again, I think it's it badly even executed. Worse I think than it's, it, it's oh yeah, every part of this, even if this was just an isolated moment, was badly executed. Like every part of this was unpleasant, and it wasn't even it didn't even seem to go anywhere. Um, no. Whether or not it seemed like they wanted it to go somewhere, and I hated it. So yeah, no. uh, although it is interesting because I I looked ahead. Uh, next week's episode features Fiona's brother, so maybe this will come back because it seems like next week is going to be like a Fiona you know style episode so anyway uh look forward to invisible a show about (laughs) an undercover agent 
balancing being a mother and being and an being agent spec- um, and being a on ABC vibe. from Rashad Razani and Ben Watkins. Um, oh, man. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Michael reveals to Fee that Natalie's in on it, and they have a loud conversation that Natalie can hear where they discuss killing Natalie to scare her. And then uh, Sam and Michael loudly pretend to kill Milovan in the next room. Milovan now, I guess, totally knows what's going on. It is no longer scary. <laughs> he is now well, suddenly he's just, just like... Guy. Because he was a fall guy. Milovan was just a guy who was pretending to be scary so Natalie could be, like, the like the actual secret person. Like, I'm not exactly, yeah, sure what all, like, their plan was. But, yeah, Milovan is now just a fall guy who is totally fine with pretending to be shot. Um, it reminds me of one of the last times we had a lady boss where um, they also pretended to shoot her, like, underling guys over the, like, while she listened on the phone. It's weirdly similar. Natalie hears Milovan die. Um, They shoot the shit out of him. There's, like, a bit where, like, Sam is like, oh, look, his leg is still moving. (laughs) It's like a, they they weirdly overplay it. Yeah, I like, and it's even more jarring because it's coming right off the tails of like Michael apologizing for striking Fiona, and it's just like I don't want to laugh with the boys right now, guys. I think I'm yeah over the boys. Yeah. So then Fee comes into the bedroom and offers Nat to set Natalie free so she can go see her kid. And Natalie leaves, and they tail her. And Michael explains tailing to us for the upteenth time. And they get and they stake out the buy for the ledger. And they watch the buy happen. And the way it works is Natalie is sitting in a park or somewhere like that. And a guy shows up on a bike. And they exchange keys. And um, the bike guy goes to like a locker and finds the ledger. And Sam and Michael go to get the bike guy. I don't know why Sam and Michael go to get... I mean, I guess the ledger is more important than Natalie. The bike guy very much looks like a bike guy. They have, he's not just a guy on a bike. They have dressed him up in like bike clothes. And they have cast a man who looks like a bike guy. He's yeah, clearly some sort of messenger. Well. This is a good, this is a well cast episode. It's unfortunate I agree. that this is the episode that they did, they wasted such good casting on. But yeah, so they get the ledger back. Uh, meanwhile, Fee goes after Natalie, and we finally get a scene of Natalie being a bad guy. Like up to this point, we've never actually seen her be a bad guy. And honestly, it's fine. Like, I think she's less good at playing the bad guy than she was as just regular now. It's kind of the opposite of Lucy Lawless, where Lucy Lawless was so good at being the bad guy. But but we also got a lot more of Lucy Lawless being the bad guy. Like, the first one we also did get way more. Yeah, when she turned heel, a car exploded behind her, and we saw her, like, in a black tank top as fire flared out behind her. Like, you know. Yeah, that was fucking she had a, She had an easier <laughs> job, I will say. Yeah. Um, but So now we finally get to see Callie Thorne as bad Natalie, um, who, which she says is just a name on a passport. Um, and But it's fine. She escapes by walking into like a group of children and saying, you're not going to shoot children. You were so... You cared so much about my fake son. Um, you're not going to shoot at actual children. And Fee is like, no, I'm not going to shoot at actual children. And Natalie gets away. 
Meanwhile, at Madeline's, Michael gives Barry back his ledger. And Barry's happy to have it back. And he's happy that the people who tried to steal from him got screwed. Um, yeah, because there was, like, money in a trunk, and they set them up, and they called the FBI, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all this stuff. And he's also happy that Madeline gave him a good cover story for why he was incommunicado with his clients. Um, he was purifying at an ashram. I don't know if that's a good excuse. Yeah, I also don't know that I buy that Barry didn't already know what that was. Well, I think he knew what it was. I think literally it's just, oh, I didn't think of that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it was weird. It's weird. Anyway, Barry leaves, and weird. then Madeline asks about that whole cleaner guy plot that the episode abandoned. It's like, what was <laughs> up with that? It felt like we stopped checking in on that like 20 minutes ago, Michael. What the I fuck? I forgot that this was the episode. Like, we're recording this episode right now, and I forgot that this is the episode that Madeline got to do a little bit of spy work because so much else has happened that completely deviated from that plot. Exactly. Um, so, like, what was up with that? And Michael tells her that uh, him and Fee are going to finish that up tomorrow. Uh, and... Madeline says that maybe someday she'll learn about it, but she's cool with not knowing now. We're getting a little bit more of, like, cool Madeline lately. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it, too, because that was my thought, too, is that, like, she's definitely misused and underused in the past couple of episodes, uh, or at least these two episodes that we recorded this week. But I do like that she is starting to be a fleshed-out person who is just reacting to things as she would now that this is her new normal. Um, and I am enjoying that. Even for the little bits of time that we see her, I'm glad that they're more interesting than they have been in the past. Yes. Anyway, the next day at the, the loft, Fee arrives and says, she's not doing the Strickler job. Because she thinks he shouldn't do it. And that working with Strickler is going to change him. And then she doesn't exactly say but she implies that she's leaving Miami, that she's not she can't watch this anymore. And Michael just looks very sad about it. And also, she's not going to be involved in this job that she did not need to be involved in. It's literally Michael taking pictures. Yeah, I do not understand what they would have needed somebody else for. Like, literally nothing. Like, in case something went wrong, in case there was, like, a chase or something, like... Maybe that's it, like backup, because like they are spying. I guess that's the idea, but like I don't know. It just seemed like no. I mean, Michael Fiona even acknowledges, this. like, "Hey, I checked out the spot. You just need one person. You're gonna be fine." Yeah, yeah, exactly. She says, "You don't, you don't need me for this." But yeah, he's so he's taking pictures of this like weapons deal going down, and for a second, he thinks he sees Fee on a bench. He sees like a woman in a sundress and a big hat. And it's like, oh, Fee came back. But it's not Fee. It's some other woman. Can I just say, this woman crosses her legs. She's wearing shorts and she crosses her legs before we, like, see her face. And immediately I was like, oh, that's not Fiona. (laughs) There's no way. Her her leg has too much meat on it. Like, Fiona is way skinnier. It definitely does not look like Fiona. And somebody who has been in bed with Fiona would know that. Michael. Well, he's hopeful. He, He wants to believe. Mm-hmm. He wants to believe that it's her, and then, but it's not her, and he's real sad boy. And then, uh, finally, Michael gives the photos to Strickler, 
And then Michael asks, what's going to happen with the weapons? And Strickler just chides him for asking questions. And then Strickler gets a phone call that he hands to Michael and says, it's for you. And it's Diego, the agent with the honest face. Remember Diego? Um, And he tells Michael that there's been some movement on his burn notice. And Strickler says, this is just the beginning. What confuses me about this is that Diego knows he's calling Michael Weston. Yes. Yeah, that confused me too. I I wasn't sure if I missed that Strickler just picked up Michael's phone and was like, oh, look, someone's calling you. Or if Diego was calling Strickler to get to Michael. It really seems, looks like he's pulling his phone out of his pocket. That was what I thought I saw, but I was like, that can't be right. Because Diego was mad that Mike... Because Diego was mad last episode that he was like, why are you saying this dude's name around me? It has totally fucked my life. So why would he now be calling Strickler directly? That doesn't make any sense. And also, like, Diego in the scene seems, like, unaware of the stuff that's happening with Strickler, too. He's not like, I've been in touch with people. He's like, I got a call from above. And he calls Michael. He's like, hey, Michael. Like, he called Michael on the phone. It seems like he called Michael. I don't know if Strickler like just has Michael's phone. I don't know what's going on. And yeah, that it's, it's a it was a very confusing ending. And that's a it's a very confusing note to end a very frustrating episode of television. Yeah. Let's talk about spy tips. Yeah, let's let's soothe soothe our broken. Let's do some minds. spy tips. Burn safes depend on an internal ignition device to start a fire. Pump in liquid CO2, and if you do it right, you can turn that ignition device into a popsicle. Do it wrong, you turn everything inside the safe into a pile of ash. Yeah, I think it's useful. Yeah, this was something. Spies don't keep a lot of prisoners. When you hold someone, you only, were- you only learn what they tell you. Let them go, and you can learn what they do and where they go. Uh, is that anything? I, I mean... It's close to something. I mean, spoiler alert, they've already failed. Sure. The, yeah. They, like, there's not a lot of meat on the bones of this one, but uh, it feels like it would be a solid foundation, so I'm willing to allow it. Okay. The next one's uh, the next and last one is a long one that's mostly stuff we've seen before. It's just a lot of, like, how to tail people, and we've gotten a lot of, like, info in the past about how to tail people and how yeah like, i feel like you we've heard some of these exact tips before like we've definitely heard some of these exact have tips cars. before yeah but like well no i don't i the thing that i specifically don't think we've heard before is that sometimes you definitely need to pass these people i feel like we have maybe i'm just remembering this tip because i remember this tip really well this is one of the things that i remember like taking note of because i used to when i used to watch burn notice as a kid i would take notes on my laptop of the spy tips that i thought were useful so that i could use them god you're such a specific person i really am um but i remember this tip so maybe that's what i'm remembering i could have sworn that we've seen that specific tip in an earlier season like maybe even season one but if you don't think we have then i i i know that there's another god you sound really certain that you have and i kind of hate that all of this is stuff we've seen before anyway like the it's a long tip and it's all just things that we've heard before so fuck it get rid of it doesn't matter 
nothing's in the balance anyway because they've already lost on spy tips. They, yeah, they did. There's only four at Three best. or four. And I'll, yeah, and that's being generous. Mm-hmm. So they lost on spy tips. Now, did they do spycraft over violence? Well, what did they do? They kidnapped some people. They did some light interrogating, but mostly didn't learn anything from it. They didn't like learn all, much of anything from the interrogation. I feel like during, like, I don't think they learned anything from the interrogation. I think that they happened to keep, they happened to find other information elsewhere. The thing is, they, like, get, they get everything from Natalie. Yeah, Weirdly that's true. enough. That, weirdly I, enough. We didn't really talk about that, yeah. Natalie gives like, away her own fucking plot. She really does. I don't know exactly why she's doing that. Maybe she like, thinks why? if she gives them actual information, then it'll be easier for her to like convince them to trust her and let her let her go. I mean, I think they may have gotten something from Barry. Did they get? I know they got something. Well, they got Ta- Tasha's location from Barry. Actually, well, they well they got some of it. No, but they still get it from Natalie. Like Natalie gives them a lot. Why does she do that? Like this is a this is not even a thing that I thought about. I was thinking about what? it and then I forgot to bring it up. But yeah, it's it's unclear what her game is. I I am willing to allow that it is probably that she's just trying to ingratiate herself and like giving them enough information that especially if they're good, they they can start to trust her because if she gives them nothing or gives them bad information, that doesn't really go to, like, sell her credibility to them and, you know, that does, get her yeah, on side. She does also, it could be that she's trying to, like, get rid of her collaborators. That's true. Although it but, is kind of probably, you know, not a good idea to send them to the person who can identify her as the bad guy. This is true. What is going on? Why? What was her plan? God. Yeah, this this episode is nothing. Yeah. So, okay, so oh is it spycraft over violence? Do they actually solve the problem? I guess they do. Um, they get the ledger. But, like, mostly by accident, it feels like. Yeah, they just, like, follow Natalie and then, like... Is it spycraft and, or is it just luck? It kind of... Yeah, it feels like nothing. It feels it like feels nothing. It feels like nothing. So... Yeah, fuck it. I don't think they do that. Um, is there an alias? I don't think so. I don't think he's really pretending to be anyone specific. He's just a crime man with a Batman voice. And he kind of gets less batman as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, the first scene is very Batman, but then it gets kind of whispery. It almost becomes kind of Brando-esque. But, like, not intentional. I don't think so either. So, like, yeah, this is already not a great episode of Burn Notice. Like, we're gone. But Uh-oh. are Fee and Sam used well? No. I mean, Fiona has a lot of good moments in this episode. She has to blow some stuff up. She, But, like, then that thing happens midway through. And then I just, like, don't want to give them a good Fee episode because I they've hurt our girl. And they didn't I also don't think a lot of the stuff before is very good. Well, she, like, blew up the car and is, like, kind of violent she, Yeah, but, like, like, barely. Like, um... Holy, sh- like, again, this is, like, she also hit a woman in this episode. I forgot about that. 
Yeah, but she, but like the woman was trying to hit her first. Like anytime that exactly. Fiona gets hit, it's usually because she is in a fight. She's she has fighting. Never yeah, hit. exactly. It's and like Michael like, has hit her before too, but only when they are yeah, both but engaging when there's like a fight or like, like yeah, this feels and they different. have like a they have like a sense like yeah, like they kind of communicate with each other. It's consensual like violence. Yes, exactly. And it's just ah, uh, but yeah, I just like and again, I feel like none of this. All the Strickler stuff feels so... We've seen this beat so much. I'm so tired of this People fight giving Michael a mysterious job that is kind of beneath him in terms of skill set and is vague yeah, but and I mean, given to him from on high. Yeah, but like... And that like Fee has to be like upset about it. And again, in a way that, just, that feels slightly jarring to me. Like, the script is so bad... It's, yeah, everything that, like, is just, like like we said at the very beginning of the episode, it's a spaghetti at the wall episode. There's just a lot of yeah. different things happening, and none of them connect to anything. And, like, I feel like this could have been a good B episode. It could have been, they, absolutely. Like, and I like the idea that, that they well. got kind of roped into kidnapping people. Like, I like the concept of, like, they were trying to do Barry a favor. It goes horribly wrong, and the way that they try to solve it is by just kidnapping two people that they have no information about. That's interesting. Exactly. And then from there, yeah, they that can is just fuck it up as hard as they possibly and it just, can. Yeah, and it becomes... And I feel like also, in general, this show is not that good at, like, the thing where it's, like, Fee is a woman talking to other women. Yeah. Because they don't know how to write two women talking to each other. No. Certainly not ones that could be theoretically in sexual competition. Exactly. And so, like, whenever they, they do stuff like this, it feels less to me like, oh, we're trying to, like, we're using Fee as a character and more like we're using Fee's womanhood. Yeah. And, like, that version of using Fee always makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's a lot. That's what this episode is. And so I don't particularly think they use her that well. No. Yeah, I don't think it gets this either. Um, it doesn't get anything. Like, I think even without the awful thing. Yeah. I don't think they use her well. No, that's fair. Yeah, you've convinced me. Do they um, use Sam well? Sam ta- Sam has... No, again, like I said, they use Sam terribly. Oh, yeah, because Sam that gets fucking that scene. Awful this episode scene. was so long and disconnected that none of it feels like it's from the same episode. So I keep forgetting what parts of this episode are this episode and what happened, like, last week. No, Sam has that awful scene where he gets, like, taunted the, and then, yeah, like... the Navy SEAL thing. And he's Man. also kind of, like... And again, none of the scenes with Sam and Natalie play, like... Sam, like, Natalie's playing her. Like, I don't think they play well without knowing who she is, and they don't think they play well, like, with knowing who she is. Like, both versions kind of suck. Because, like, I think mm-hmm. Sam sucks in those scenes. Yeah. Weird um, week. Weird week. And, like, yeah, so this fails at all of those things. This is not a great episode of Burn Notice. This is not a great episode of television. No, it was just simply an episode of television. This is also the first time that an episode has fully failed. We have never had a zero out of four episode. Yeah, I don't think we have. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the one, there was that one, like, a couple weeks ago that was written by a bunch of newbies and it felt weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one at least had, like, two, Spycraft I think. Or, I think it had yeah. Spycraft. 
Yeah, usually they have spy crap, but even th yeah, this episode. Pff, this episode was nothing. It was it was both nothing and everything at the same time, which is very confusing. exactly. Yeah, it was like very ambitious in a way, but like completely failed at all the things that it's trying to do. With that, uh, there's not much left to do but to thank Vincent El for our theme music. If you want more from Vince. Go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. And with that, there's nothing left to say, but bye. I don't really want to be funny this week. I'm kind of bummed out now. 